thank you very much indeed for that reading and um, good morning to you at the tab. It's just a great privilege to get to open the Bible with you. Thanks, Dave, for leading the service so far. Now, can you see a Bible? Verse 7 of chapter 7 says, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. And we're going to think about the wow, the how, and the what of Jesus' invitation there. First, the wow. Imagine you had a wealthy auntie and they wrote to you about this time of the year. They said, um, I've got several thousand pounds that I've laid aside to buy you a Christmas present. Just ask and you'll receive. Well, children, imagine you, you, you found a, a piece of paper, an old scrap with uh, a treasure map on it to some gold hidden somewhere in your attic and written on the piece of paper, seek and you will find Teenagers, imagine that you um, uh, come to the door of a good friend and the sound of music and the, the, the light and the, the smell of food are all drifting out into the dark street where you are. And on the door, a little note, hi mate, so glad you could come, just knock and the door will be open to you. Jesus is making that sort of appeal in these words here. He could just say, pray, right? But he wants us to to feel the the sense of wow that when you pray do you really know what you're doing you are going to the one who has all the resources in the universe you are seeking uh, nothing less than the treasures of heaven itself you're knocking on god's own door which is ready to spring open that you may go in wow that's how jesus appeals to us and he, it's not just in the form of a, a maybe a but an if but a promise, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. The door will be open to you. In a world of uncertainties and small print, very, very precious thing that the Lord Jesus might give us a promise. And it's a free promise, right? And if you flick back to chapter five, verse three, where Jesus begins this Sermon on the Mount. And what does he say is the key to being part of God's kingdom? It's to be poor in spirit. In other words, to come with nothing to prove and nothing to offer, with empty hands. And Jesus is making exactly the same point here. When we pray, we're not to think that we're earning something from God, that we've got to prove ourselves through a special technique. Just ask, seek, knock, empty-handed. It's free. And this is an invitation that Jesus makes to everyone, everyone who asks. Receives them. I, I, I reckon if you're on that mountainside when Jesus first gave this sermon, you, your eyes would have sort of gone around the crowd of ragtag people. I wonder if your mind's eye, you can think through the congregation at the tab. I'm, I'm doing that for Folk of Christchurch. And, um, and, and actually, as you think about yourself and your sin, and you're bowled over by the thought that Jesus says, everyone who asks, no distinctions everyone. In all of this, Jesus' invitation is quite unique. And um, even in the Bible, the, the greatest moments in the Old Testament were, were, were times like, for example, when Moses brought the people to the edge of Mount Sinai, but he said, you, you can't go up. Or Solomon leads the people into the temple courts, <coughs> but he says, you can't go in. Here is Jesus with the audacity to say that people can pray right to God and know that he will hear, give, relate in an 
open door kind of way and he'll bless them. Now you could read all the literature from the world's religions, you will not find an invitation like this. Most would say it's presumptuous, even dangerous. You know, the creator doesn't relate to his creation like this. The judge cannot be spoken to, but just submitted to. The, the sovereign will do as he's planned with no heed to what we ask. The transcendent is inaccessible, unfindable by mere mortals. In fact, some would say there is no person to ask of, no door to knock on. But Jesus says, no, on my unique authority, ask, seek, knock. The wow of Jesus' invitation. Now it might be, um, just, just, just as, we, as, we, as we pass through this point, just a, a short application, it might be there's somebody for whom prayer has really become a Christianized form of mindfulness. Do you know what I mean by that sort of just sitting on your own with your own thoughts, pondering? Actually, that's a good thing to do in a busy world. Jesus has something better here, though. <coughs> Excuse me. He has something better on offer. That we bring God himself into that conversation, asking, seeking, knocking, not quite reflection, is the heart of prayer. Now, if, like me, you find yourself actually drifting from talking to God to being lost in your own tired thoughts, and sometimes Tess walks in and finds me lying on the sofa and she says, are you praying? And I say, well, no, I, I confess, I, I suppose I'm, I'm probably just uh, snoozing. Um, if, if you're in that situation, why not pray out loud? The wow of Jesus' invitation. Um, second, the how. Because the obvious question is, how, how on earth could we expect God to relate to us like this? Well, verse 9 gives us the answer. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How can we pray? Because God is not only judge and sovereign and transcendent, he's your father. I never quite got why, even after I left home, my mum and dad would always come round with a big bag of food. I'd sort of feel, hey, you know, I'm a grown-up, I, I can do my shopping. In fact, I, I've got plenty in the cupboards and let me provide for you. I even buy fruit and veg now. I think part of it with mum and dad was that having had four children, dad just can't get used to shopping for just the two of them now. But mainly it's that fundamental to being a parent is giving. Excuse me. Is giving. You know, parents don't really want to receive. They get far more joy from giving. And I think as, as a parent myself now, I'm starting to understand that. I, I can see why people want to spoil their children. There's a sense in which the world is not enough for them. And Jesus says, God is like that. He's our father. Now, verse 11, we, we, mustn't, we mustn't miss, says we're evil. And we need to take that seriously. If you, if you think you need no help in your parenting from the Bible, if you think it all comes naturally, be, be warned. What does come naturally is neglecting or idolising, is over-shepherding or under-shepherding. I, I can do both of those things in, in the same half an hour. But Jesus' point is that despite being evil in many ways, I am not going to give our little Rufus, who's coming up to one, a stone for Christmas. Although we did find him actually chewing his way through a piece of coal the other week, so, you know, it's tempting. How much more, Jesus says, verse 11, your Father in heaven 
will give good gifts because he's the perfect father. Um, I know Dave Hart loves little quotes and um, sometimes sends me some. And my favorite quote from a couple of years ago was, only a child gets to wake up their parent at 2 a.m. in the morning for a glass of water. We have that kind of access because God's our father. And, and this has been something that Jesus has been drilling into us through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, flick with me. Chapter 5, verse 16. Our desire is that people may glorify your father. Chapter 5, verse 45. That you may be children of your father in heaven. Chapter 6, verse 1. Do not practice your righteousness in front of people. Worry about your father in heaven. Um, chapter 6, verse 4. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Chapter 6, verse 6. Chapter 6, verse 8, verse 9, verse 14, verse 15. Pray to your father, your father, your father. Chapter 6, verse 32, your father knows what you need. Chapter 7, verse 21, your father in heaven gives good gifts. And I just need telling this again and again and again, don't you? That God is my, my, my father in whose eyes I live, who loves, provides for, cares for, knows best what I need, wants to bless me. And crucially, the one in whom I have absolute perfect access to. How can we pray? Because God's our father. Now, maybe you're not a Christian. You want to know, well, how could that be? How could I come to have that sort of relationship with God? And the answer is Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible presents God as father, son and Holy Spirit, an eternally loving family. I guess that's why family is so important to us. Um, and we, we particularly think about that at this time of the year, don't we? It's because we're reflective of the eternal God. And as Jesus walked on this earth, he alone, as the Son, could expect that whatever he prayed, God the Father would hear. Whatever he asked for, he would receive, right? He had that right. In fact, God promised to give him the whole world as an inheritance. But Jesus came to share that sonship, that family, with us who don't deserve it. His mission was to go and die on a cross and there take our place so that the exclusion of God and the door slamming in our faces and the curse of God that you and I deserve, and we really do deserve it for how we treated God, fell on Jesus and it was held to him. So that, why did he do it? He did it so that the family of God and the access of God and the blessing and the inheritance of God that he deserved might come to us and it is heaven for us. That is how I can pray. A lot of people seem to take prayer as a right, don't they? Um, so during this pandemic, we're told that, you know, many, many more people have just started to pray. I think we should be thankful for that. But it's striking, isn't it? As if you can just expect him to hear. And Christians too can be casual. I, I certainly can. And we just assume that of course God is accessible and of course he's there for us. And we lose the wow because we've lost sense, the sense of the, the how. The only reason that you and I can expect that the sovereign creator, holy judge of all, who we have deeply offended will listen to us. The only reason we could expect that he's heard our singing and our prayers today is because of Jesus. The wow how finally let's think about the what of jesus invitation one of the things we've been doing at christchurch after our services is having a, a a sermon after party which is really just a chance to ask some questions 
And I think if Jesus held something like that after his Sermon on the Mount, the obvious question would be, Jesus, verse 11, what are those good gifts you're talking about? You know, are you saying we can ask for anything and God will give? Now, I deliberately left this question until now, because in some ways Jesus doesn't qualify his invitation. And often we are far too quick to bring things we know from elsewhere in the Bible to almost completely silence the impact of a promise in front of us. Perhaps you found this in a Bible study. You know, people immediately pile in. Well, it can't mean this because of this. And it can't mean this because of this. And, uh, uh, you know, people are so, um, all of those things may well be true. But in the rush to say what Jesus wasn't saying, you lose the wonder of what he was saying. And all people remember is the qualifications. Well, whereas I would actually rather you kind of, you know, you ended the sermon now and you walked out with a very simple sense that we are children to a father and he hears us when we pray and he wants to bless us with good things. And we might not know what those good things are, but they're good. So ask, seek, knock. Excuse me. But in fact, we can fill out the what of Jesus' invitation, not from going elsewhere in the Bible, but just from simply listening to the rest of what Jesus has been preaching. So um, flick back with me to chapter 5. What are these good gifts? Well, chapter 5, verse 3, God wants to give us the kingdom of heaven, the, his eternal kingdom. Not treasure and trinkets on earth, but treasure in heaven that lasts. Verse 4, God wants to comfort us so that we're not taken out of the hardships of this life, but we bury deep into him through them, and we find one day that every tear is wiped from our eyes. Uh, verse 6, God wants to fill us with righteousness, so that our lives, to the core, are pure and loving and right and wise, like his. Verse 7, God wants to show us mercy, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 8, all of this is so that God, at the end of the day, can face us face to face and we him and we can enjoy the blessed relationship with him forever now you see exactly the same themes in the in the lord's prayer or in chapter 6 verse 33 seek same word as 7, seven verse 7 seek the kingdom and righteousness and i think this helps us when we get to chapter 7 verse 12 because perhaps as you you know as we read that you thought well that doesn't seem very connected but chapter 7 verse 12 is simply a summary of the righteousness God wants to work in us as a gift. Do to others as you would have them do to you. These are the good gifts that Jesus has in mind when he says, Your father knows how to give good gifts. Now question, how does that land with you? You may think, ah oh, yes, <laughs> I, I knew it would be like this. First we hear from Jesus that we can ask for anything and expect God to give it. And then we find that actually it's only certain spiritual things. And frankly, God isn't interested in, prom isn't promising us that, you know, when we're ill or we're about to lose a job or anything that really matters, he'll help with, with. And, you know, actually that's exactly my experience. I pray from time to time and often it makes no difference at all. Now that's one reaction. And I wanted to put it very plainly because that may be exactly how some of us are feeling at the moment. I felt that way before. Here's another reaction that I've been praying this week might be yours. That as we start to see what is actually being offered, the what, we find that actually that is not shrunken down by the context. 
but expanded beyond all we could ask or imagine. I mean, what are we talking about? Being part of God's eternal kingdom, having the kingdom grow as others come to follow Jesus for themselves, seeing the king face to face, being able to share his glorious character. Now, if the Sermon on the Mount gets into me and my heart starts to beat for those things, then I realise what a good father God is, who will not settle for small, short-term gifts, but wants to give us what can never perish, spoil or fade. And I'm amazed that Jesus says all of that is available. Just ask, seek, knock. Well, the application is very obvious from this sermon. Pray. Excuse me. But I want you to imagine that all the prayers that you'd prayed from this year have been recorded, I don't know, on, on your phone or something. And um, so that, that, that every time you said, Lord God, you know, a little hidden dictaphone switched on and recorded what you prayed. And then on December the 31st, you played back the whole thing. But like some of us review photos and things like that from the year. And you sit down with a family, you play each other's prayers through. Now, for some of us, that would be a very short recording. Perhaps only over mealtimes. Lord, please bless the food. Amen. It could be that our prayers are short because actually, you know, maybe you're very, very young at the moment and you're just not sure how to pray. Well, and children, if that's you, ask your mum and dad to teach you. Jesus' disciples needed teaching how to pray. It could be because we're self-dependent and we, you know, you think you can handle life. And you need to look at verse 12 as just one example and ask, can you really achieve that even for a day by yourself without prayer? Now, it could be, of course, that we're disobedient. We need to read verse 7, not just as an invitation, but a command. Ask, seek, knock, says King Jesus. But my guess is that there'd be many more of us who, you know, we used to pray lots in the past. I don't know which year it would be. 1986, 1996, 2008, 2015, but now 2020, well, what's happened? They've grown shorter because we've lost the sense of the wow of prayer. God just seems, to be honest, very distant, that there is no ear listening, there is no door opening to us. And that, friends, can be a very, very painful thing to experience for a Christian. I wonder if you have shared that with someone in church. Can I ask you to? And I want to ask you, would you allow Jesus, in these words here, on his authority to speak what is true, even though all of your emotions and experience may be telling you something very different? He is the Lord of the storm. His word is more true than our experience. We know that our feelings go up and down all the time. God may feel very, very distant at the moment. But if you're a child of God and you open your mouth and pray to him with any faltering words, he hears. Now maybe that others of us, if we were to play through the year's worth of prayers, it wouldn't be a very short recording. It would be much more, if I could put it more gently, it would be much more for small things. Things that seem big to us at the time, but actually, you know, as we play back, we think, gosh... Was that all I was praying about? I want to call us to ask, seek and knock for the greatest things that God wants to give. Not just for hardships to end, 
but for God to use those hardships to form his glorious character in us. Not just for friends and family to stay healthy, but to be saved from hell to heaven forever. Not just for warm relationships with each other this Christmas, but wonderful warm fellowship with God himself. Now, hard to pray those sort of prayers, isn't it? Can I, can I tell you one reason why? Because often praying smaller prayers and more human-centered prayers seems kinder. But if we follow the Sermon on the Mount, if it starts to get into our hearts, that should change how we start to pray. We pray for the kingdom. Well, I'm going to close by praying for us, and then I think we'll probably uh, end in song. God, our Heavenly Father, we cannot get over the privilege of simply using those words, Our Father. By rights, we should have you as our enemy and only our judge and king. But we thank you that the Lord Jesus came to make us your children. We thank you for what it cost. And we pray that we'd never open our mouths in prayer in a casual way, not realising the cost to him. We pray we'd be bowled over by the privilege. We pray for those of us who've heard from a very, very young age that you can pray. That today we'd be amazed at what that means. And we pray for each of us that we would take up this invitation of Jesus today, in the weeks ahead, especially when we're more on our own at the moment. Please would we know we're not, because you're here. We pray for any who are feeling very weighed down and very flat about their prayers because they feel that you don't hear. Please, Heavenly Father, be kind to them. Would they trust the promise of Jesus that when they ask, they're heard. When they knock, the door is opened. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.